This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. That warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave, and uh, we're here on a Thursday, by golly, and a pretty nice day in the piney woods of north central Florida. And I'm going to see myself on the screen here in a minute, and I'll get my computers going, but I trust you there. Uh, we are in the Mellon Law Studio in the Warthog Command Center. Mellon Law, as you know, has 50 years of experience, full legal service, uh, only official law firm partner, University of Florida, and protected uh, 365, 24-7 by crime prevention. Uh, let me see if I can make a picture for myself here, and there I am, and see who's checked in. Good morning, Ray. Uh, don't pet him. Yeah, I love it, Ray. Don't pet him. Uh, don't pet him. Don't pet him. Well, that's the way it goes. They pet him. No, don't. I never get enough of that. Like you, I never get enough of that. But uh, production, let me see myself maybe a little bigger here on my screen on my computer, if you can, please, sir. And uh, we'll get that going in a minute. Uh, got a uh, got a, a little update here for you. I, unfortunately, I think when I looked at all the different parts of today's show, it is finally going to come down to uh, discussion about crime. I don't know, you know, what else we can do, but talk about that, which is so it is what it is. And um, morning, Lloyd. It's an um, honor to have you watching, sir. So I want to start out locally, just with a zoning thing that happened here locally. This is not necessarily criminal. Uh, this is not necessarily fitting the the title of today's show, which is politicalization of justice. The whole western side of the county is, if you're not from around here, we have a kind of a two sides of this world here with Gainesville in the middle. Gainesville is a very liberal community across the university. We have the east side all the way out to uh, Putnam County, out to Hawthorne, and there's a lot of uh, challenged property out there, if you will wetlands, if you will. But the whole state of Florida is really a wetland. Uh, you can ask these guys who dive the springs and all these things that were really just uh, full of all kinds of porous holes and lime rock and sinkholes and all this thing. And probably nobody knows that better than Lloyd, whose profession is that of helping guys dive successfully. Um, this is the state of Florida. Once upon a time covered by water, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I think most people know that. Um, and I think probably the oceans came right up to the center and receded. Uh, we have saltwater intrusion places all over the west and the east. And um, it's an interesting place. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it is what it is. And if you fly over it in a small plane, you get the impression that it's really islands with uh, uh, lakes all over the place rather than uh, lakes with uh, land. It's more like uh, water with islands. And so... It's just a kind of a visual impression you can get from a small plane flying over the over the uh, topography. But um, be that as it may, the western side of the county uh, has been more attractive to development, largely because of the interstate being on this side years ago. The decision to put it where it is resulted in a lot of growth, but not any growth to the east because, after all, you have to go through the city of Gainesville, um, and that's not um, wasn't attractive then, so they came west with it, and it came down through what's called the highlands, if you will, the the high line, the highest part of the state. Uh, see the little white arrow again moving all over the place. I kind of watch it instead of myself. But um, the the, um, the the truth of the matter is that this county has been largely growing west, and I think it will continue to grow west. No question about it. Um, this is where the opportunity is, and the um, the, the land is available and it's uh, a little more attractive land than the east, which seems to be more uh, and, uh, caught up with the uh, environmental watchdogs watching it. They killed Plum Creek, which was the only real opportunity 
to to uh, see the little arrow again. Um, the only real opportunity for uh, growth on the east side of the county was Plum Creek, and and um, uh, it didn't happen. It was killed because of all the concerns about this, that, one, and another related to the climate. Well, um, out here on the west side of the county, we've got opportunity to grow because we have infrastructure. We have uh, primarily we have the ability to get water out here and sewer and that kind of thing. And so you see it growing all over the place. Um, so West End is a very attractive place. Across from the uh, uh, town of Tioga, if I have my bearings here correct. And it's one of the last green spaces out that way um, before you get to Jonesville, which used to just be a cross in the roads um, that, that really, I used to ride my motorcycle out to a place called Oh, I'm going to remember the name of it in a minute. Rosie's, I think, was the name of it. And we'd ride out there. My golly, it was like riding out in the country. I mean, we were going a long, long way, and it was way out in the country. And uh, Route 241 was called Farnsworth Road then. That's the family uh, out there. And it was beautiful land, of course, but that's where we'd take our motorcycles and uh, ride. That was a convenient stop on our way, perhaps, to Cedar Key. So uh, now it's all heavily uh, build up, going to be built up more. 241 is going to become really impassable. It's a two-lane road. It's a beautiful road, but it's going to simply become impassable. It's going to be traffic jams all over the place. Uh, it's going to need more traffic lights. It's going to be a just congestion city. It, you know, congestion in the automobile is a paradoxical thing. We need the automobile to get to where we're going. In New York City, they're actually passing a tax that's going to probably put the taxi drivers out of business because you're going to have to pay to come into the city with cars and move people about by cars. And they can't afford to pay this tax on the automobile, which they drive as a way of making a living and still eke out a profit enough to make a living. And this affects guys like Pakistani and taxi drivers. Uh, when I go to New York, I had a, a Puerto Rican taxi driver, well, not really a taxi driver, he was a chauffeur in my case uh, from a hotel, but he was excellent, knew the city like back of his hand had grown up there, could get you anywhere back, you know, knew and understood it. So these guys, a lot of them are come here as immigrants, and that's what they do. They move you about these cities by automobile. So uh, we've got a problem. You know, it's been a long time coming, but it's here, and that is the automobile. The answer is not electric cars. That's not going to be the answer because uh, we built the infra uh, state transportation system under Eisenhower's direction in 1954. Uh, he decided he'd watch the Autobahn, in Germany during World War II, and it was such a, pro, a, a feasible way for um, the the government to move armament around and make it difficult to bomb. And so he said, you know, we've got to have an interstate highway transportation system to uh, protect uh, our freedom here in the United States. It's really done, conceived, and thought of initially as a way to protect us militarily. If we ever got attacked. Uh, from the air, that sort of thing. We could move armament around. Uh, system of rails have broken down. We never developed a rail system after the initial pioneering was done in the 19th century. We didn't develop it the way Europe did, where the trains run very efficiently and much is dependent upon the trains. And we didn't develop that time to it. We got infatuated with the motor car, I guess, thanks to Henry Ford. And that became the, the modus operandi um, of travel. And um, the rest is history. So because of that, we've had such inventions of words as sprawl and uh, terms like that and all this frowning upon growth. And um, this is what has really led. This is the secret behind the secret of this uh, inclusion of, of uh, affordable housing and, and single family residents. They're simply going to have to pack more people into less uh, uh, square footage and square mileage. In the city, the city is going to have to go up. And that, that is the way in which the city of Gainesville is going to plan for its survival. Uh, because other than that, everything's going to head out to the suburbs and is doing so at rapid pace and very high priced land. That's where the money goes. That's where the land is valuable. Uh, and you'll have these little pockets of, of, of grow up of commerce around them. And you'll just forget Gainesville. You won't go into Gainesville. Um, they're already, I really, don't go into Gainesville unless I have to, some reason I have to go. I don't want to go. I'm not interested in going into the heart of the city. And there's nothing there for me. 
Uh, the downtown has been ruined pretty much by crime. Uh, the, 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 people just don't feel comfortable there. Uh, you have college kids still go there because uh, that's where the entrepreneurship is uh, devoted its attention. It's within walking distance of a lot of the students, so they go there. Coming out to the western side of the county or even to the eastern, which is not possible. Really, there's no way to get there. Nothing there to get to. Uh, is attractive because uh, um, that's automobile and you can get away from the downtown world. So uh, those of us who live outside, we don't want to go into the downtown. It, it's, it's, it's unfortunate for places like the Hippodrome uh, and the old post office, the old downtown post office. Uh, people don't feel com- less and less comfortable going there unless you are a Gainesville resident. You're right inside the city. Uh, you go to maybe the place, but uh, fewer and fewer people that I know want to go into the heart of the city and go to the place because of the, all the uh, all the other problems you can encounter. Um, they put things in there, of course, which appeal to people like the Bow Diddley Plaza and that. So the problem becomes, where's the green space out here west? And we had some green space that was going to become yet more development. Uh, we've got a project that's really was a trick here, as I understand it, in the city of Alachua. It was some magnificent farmland, but it was farmland that had been given to the University of Florida Foundation. The University of Florida Foundation, in my understanding now, everything has been given to me by word of mouth. I haven't seen the documents, but I think it's a story you're going to hear more about. This expanse of land between 241 and 441 behind the Progress Center was not sold to the, to the lowest bidder uh, or a person you know, most apt to develop it economically and in the, it was sold some sort, of, some sort of inside deal that um, had connections with the foundation. This is the story I'm getting. And those people instantly flipped it rather than do what they purported they would do, as I understand it. So, you know, that will now become sort of another uh, housing density issue. And it's going to create more traffic problems, of course, and that's all maybe a story that's going to come out in the future. I don't know. But that's the information I get, uh, that the original presentation of the property's use is not going to turn out to be the actual uh, property use as it was presented anyway. Uh, so don't hold me to all of that. But uh, it is some people approaching me about that story. So I don't have the, the documents yet. But the point about this story is it's Florida. Florida has got millions and millions of people coming to it because we have a, a, a Republican governor. Let's, let's face it, outside, may not realize this, but outside of Lotswell County, that's the way it is. That's what's attracting people. And you're getting uh, no income tax. You're getting good weather. You, you do have the storms, but that doesn't uh, seem to deter the people. They keep coming. And um, you have, uh, uh, um, you know, enough university systems that people have a choice. Uh, so there's a lot of things to attract and it's going to grow. My concern about it, and I won't live long enough to see it, is it will become another California. And by that, I mean, California must have been a beautiful place to be, Los Angeles, et cetera, in the days of Bing Crosby and Bob Hope and those guys. And when you had decent, maybe at the most four lane highways, and now you go out there and you got eight, 10, 12 lane highways. It's maddening. And, uh, I don't want to go back to LA. And I'm going to report a little bit later on here about crime in San Francisco. I mean, it's just out of control in, in that whole western side of the country, all the way up into Portland, Oregon, which we'll talk about. So we've got some issues here that could get out of control if we don't have a real firm governor, which many people feel we've got now. Yours truly, I think, agrees with that. And uh, a real hold on, on um, uh, drawing the line on our principles and what we think make and build communities good school system that's not corrupted by the latest fad um, and, you know, try to build a, a solid family base, uh, which is not always easy to do in today's world. So uh, that's where we are. So it is not unexpected, really, uh, that the NIMBYs not in my backyard would come out and talk about the West End side as something they want to keep open and green. Um, you know, think of what New York City would be without Central Park. I don't know if you've ever been to Central Park, but it's a magnificent place to have stuck down in the middle of a city with buildings going up high, high, high. If you want to take a fast forward and look at Gainesville, that's what Gainesville would really like to become. 
and maybe 75 years from now, if we had a time machine and could come back, we'd see all these high rises in Gainesville, uh, maybe these parks contained and then all around it. But New York is after all, all an island, so to speak. But, but here, you know, you'd have all the, and where you really run into this development is if you just go south of Marion County into the Leesburg area and that place and head towards Orlando. And it's just teeming with congestion, teeming with congestion. Congestion. It's just, I don't know what's going to stop it. Um, years ago, one of the governors uh, whom I had met and knew kind of personally said that uh, they should build, and he said, it, of course, off the record, but they should really uh, build a, a drawbridge at the Georgia Florida line and just not let anybody else in because we couldn't com- handle the growth. Um, we couldn't handle the growth uh, that was coming fast enough with uh, administrative public decisions that would accommodate it. And certainly you see that in Alachua County with road building. There simply is no road building. There's no commitment to road building. They're not going to road build. Uh, it's something, it's a dirty word. So uh, forget it. It's not going to happen. <coughs> and uh, it's just going to be done deliberately in an attempt to slow down growth and, and uh, push people back into the core of the city. So um, I don't think you're going to see much road building. Some of the roads are so, so terrible, such terrible condition around here that, you know, your cars rattle and bang and, and, and uh, go bonkers when you're riding down the road. So it's a very difficult proposition to navigate the highways. So that's kind of the story on the West End golf course. It is, uh, 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 looks like a done deal. looks like it's going to be a green space and probably it's the best use for it. Um, let me uh, check here uh, just a moment on a document I need to get. I want to talk a minute about Michelle Stripling. Stribling. It's an interesting person, okay? Uh, she's been ineligible to vote since 1993 conviction for second-degree murder. Now, this kind of stuff got me thinking about today's material, and it all adds up to crime. A report on crime. Michelle Stripling... Stribling, I'm sorry, Stribling, S-T-R-I-B-L-I-N-G. And this is according to West 2 TV in Orlando. Uh, She's upset by her arrest on two felony uh, election uh, law violations. She registered and she voted by absentee ballot in uh, the 2020 general election. But she's been ineligible to vote since 1993 when she was convicted for second-degree murder. Now, mind you, she's not in the jug still. She's out of the jug. So if you think murderers go away forever, no, they don't go away forever. And remember that murderers and felony sex offenders never get their voting rights restored. So in August... Uh, there were arrests of 20 people, including this lady. And DeSantis, by then, who had picked up on our efforts here in Alachua County, had begun to expand this into an honest-to-God election crimes committee, investigative committee with its own investigative powers and all that. And um, how do you think the lawyers play this? Oh, they think this is just a photo op scenario, that they're being unfair uh, to Stribling, um, that they should have their cases dismissed. Now, I mean, you know, this kind of set the tone for me today's show. I mean, how, 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 do, you, how do you do this? How, how, do you, how do you make excuses for, for behavior? Like, first of all, the woman is a murderer. I mean, that's public information. But she's not in the jug. She's out. So she's out. And I guess you could you could say that the supervisor of election is the one who is derelict in the duty. He never checked or she or whoever 
never examined the voter rolls. If there had been, you know, why should we have to do this? We've been asking ourselves this constantly. Why should we have to do this? Isn't that the job of the people making six figures a month, a, a year, to, to check these voter registration rolls? Or does it take a citizen to come along? I've been complaining about this with the provisional ballot. The provisional ballot, you know, a person walks in and says, well, I live at such and such. And then says, take my word for it. So you give them a ballot. They vote. Now, to authenticate whether that person really lives there, there's a postcard sent to that address the person gave. This is the way it was when I was running. It blew me away. And so I asked, I said, and it wasn't uh, Barton who was the supervisor then. It was Carpenter. So I asked, well, how do you know if this person told the truth? Well, if the card doesn't come back, return to sender, we're assuming this person told the truth and the vote. Of course, the vote counts either way. You don't rescind the vote. So they have no idea how, how, how long this has been going on. They don't know. They don't know. I mean, they could know, but they don't bother to try to find out. So here is a lady who is a convicted murderer who is um, voting and complaining about having been caught. And the lawyers are saying it's the governor's uh, grandstanding. It's about politics more than it is law enforcement. What? So that, that got me going. I mean, that got me going. And of course, our investigator instigator's name is in this article. Uh, our Gainesville data analyst is the one who discovered this and started this, and it spread nationwide. Now, there are at least 95 more people being investigated in more than a dozen counties. And I don't think that's anything but the tip of the iceberg. Meanwhile, the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition has set up a jail bail fund and a defense fund to argue that these people uh, would never have voted if the state had a system to verify eligibility at registration. Now, that is an interesting dilemma. I think they did have a system. They just didn't use it. They just didn't use it. They had one. So this investigation into this, uh, this illegal beep is continuing. Now, remind you, you know, we dumped YouTube for disallowing us to talk about these sort of things. I want to emphasize again, and I'm checking it every day, go over to rumble.com and follow us. I see it growing each day. It needs to grow about three or four times more. Go over to rumble.com and follow us because that we have... When YouTube dumped me, I said, to heck with you, we dump you. So we're talking a little more openly about this with you because YouTube's not kicking us off its platform because we kicked ourselves off that platform. We said we don't want that platform. So I wanted to give you an update on that and what's going on in the state. It's not over. It's just really beginning in spite of the fact that um, – Kramer and Barton went back and forth about whose job is it until finally uh, Kramer kept saying, well, if you give me all the investigation, I'll pursue it to set it to, to, uh, to Barton. We got those emails for you. I think we posted them. Um, Barton got upset about that, said it was his job, but she did it anyway. And she investigated it and gave him the package. The last time we contacted him, he said he'd sent it to the Florida Elections Crimes Committee. And when we contacted them to see if he had, they said they hadn't had it, hadn't seen it yet. So I can tell you that we watch this stuff because none of these officials wants to have egg on his or her face. They don't want to sit around and say, you know, it was under my nose. It took some guy who's a computer geek to find it. And he's not a computer geek, but that's what they think of him as. They think of him as a computer geek. They took a computer geek to find it, and, and we really – so they, kind of, they tried to 
It's like volleyball. They try to bat the ball back and forth across the net, and they don't want to have to be the ones that lose the point. But we're keeping the pressure on them. Uh, we're keeping after them. I don't know where it's all going to wind up, but we did get DeSantis' attention to the extent that he has an election crimes committee with his own investigative power, and we're in touch with those people. So, you know, I just, I'll keep, you know, it's like so many other things. Nobody really wants to take responsibility for it. Uh, this is one of the things I found out about politicians. If it's a good idea and it's somebody else's, they'll come in and steal it and take responsibility for it. But if it's a bad idea, they think, uh, it may be actually a good idea, but they think it's a bad idea politically, they'll distance themselves from it. You know, Biden's a great case. When he was, when it was correct to be hard on crime, he was hard. Now he's soft because it's supposedly soft. Who is he? What does he really stand for? What does he really believe? Where's he really coming from? Nobody knows because he'll change with the, with the, with the weather. You know, I mean, he, you know, he doesn't have any backbone. He does what is opportunity. That's, that's your, um, um, okay, great. Michael Rumble works great. Uh, yeah. And all the locals are here, but you see our show live. I'm pretty sure on rumble, uh, rumble, you could see, you could have seen our show live on YouTube, Michael, and you can see it on rumble the same way as I understand it. And, uh, um, um, and, and Lloyd makes a good, I'm reading the chat line right now before we take our break. Yeah. The schools, the schools, Lloyd, the schools are out of control. From what I've been getting a lot of input from people in the school system with children and teachers and, uh, the schools are, you know, sick of fork in them. Public, public education uh, is out of control. What's happening is you're seeing more and more homeschooling. You're seeing more and more, uh, you know, alternative methods of schooling children rather than sending them to public school. And it's happening much more than you might think it is um, because it doesn't make the press. So we'll take a break at the bottom of the hour here. Thank you for allowing me to get that document. I got all my paperwork I needed now. Um, We'll be, we'll be right back in just a moment on the Word Scott Files. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. A warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. 
Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. All right, welcome back to Board Scott Files. Uh, really want to thank production for covering me there a minute ago when I had to leave the screen to get some paperwork. It's unusual. I don't have it all together, but, you know, this is a one-man show here. I'm my own staff. I've got my production people, of course, but you're looking at the guy who selects the news, talks about the news, and uh, keeps you informed. So it's um, interesting. keeps me going, and hopefully it keeps you going, and I'll keep it going as long as everybody supports me and keeps me going. So that's the way going happens. Anyway, I really want to thank Wendell Lewis and Lewis Oil stepping up and helping out the program and i do the weather uh she's interested in what the weather is doing well uh the weather is pretty nice right now in our parts of the country um kind of pleasant a little bit warm yesterday maybe gonna got a little rain last night but not much um maybe a little chilly coming down the pike here for long um but no severe storms or anything going on there are some odd things going on though in the world of weather that really catch my eye uh, I know. I guess you know that the Mississippi River is a supply chain in the nation's heartland. And uh, my father used to swim the Mississippi River when he was a kid. He grew up on the rivers. I used to always be impressed by that. As a young man, he would swim across the Mississippi River. Um, it's just, you know, the currents and all that kind of stuff. And that's just what you did when you were a kid growing up in his day and time in the early 1900s as a kid. You went out and jumped in the rivers. Um, but now the Mississippi River, which is a magnificent, uh, as you know, source of, 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 uh, of, uh, of supply chain, you know, all the way out of Minnesota and that area down into the Gulf, is facing a, a significant constraint. I never thought I'd see the day, but it could have far-reaching consequences. And this is uh, covered by Brian Latta, who is a meteorologist for AccuWeather. He said that the low water levels of the Mississippi River, which is a critical waterway for commerce, have been in a steady decline in recent months due to a lack of rain. Uh, a river gauge at Osceola, Arkansas, which is 35 miles north of Memphis, <clears throat> reported a water level of 8.8 .8 feet below what's considered the low stage on Wednesday, October the 12th. It's the fourth lowest water level at the location since record keeping began in 1927. Um, so that would have been about the time my father, I guess, was swimming across it. Um, there are at least eight barges that ran aground earlier this month due to the low water levels. Uh, Associated Press reported that. Uh, the risk of these barges getting stuck continues to rise each passing day as the water level continues to fall. Uh, they should have had this storm, by golly, and maybe they would be rescued, but they didn't get it. That was such a waste of water for me I'm coming across here. Wasn't it a waste of water to dump all that water needlessly where it wasn't, we didn't need it or want it? Um, so anyway, don't take the Mississippi River for granted. It's an integral part of our economy. It's particularly so for agriculture. Uh, the commerce on the Mississippi River accounts for 92% of the country's agricultural exports. Cause they're coming down out of the Midwest, out of the, out of the breadbasket of the country, really the breadbasket of the world, and down to be shipped out through New Orleans all over. 60% of all grain exports and 78% of feed grains, soybeans and livestock exports come down the Mississippi River. Um, so that is something that uh, uh, I found interesting. I thought I'd share with you and uh, we'll hope that uh, we'll get some navigable water there uh, before long that we can use to actually move our commerce. Thank you, Lewis, all for supporting the weather report at the half hour. Um, well, I got to talk about, you know, Portland, Oregon, it, it, you know, P. Green Underhand and all those people um, at the city commission, Warren Nielsen and all this, but they used to love to go to Portland. Uh, if they wanted to study city government, they went to Portland. And by the way, I went on a trip with them uh, up to Madison, Wisconsin, uh, as representing the city of Alachua. And when the city of Gainesville people, commissioners, go on a trip, everybody goes. I couldn't believe the entourage when I went with them to Madison. I can just imagine what it was out to Portland. They take everybody, anybody who gets a 
uh, a, a salary from uh, the public. And they take them to study. Well, in the case of Madison, we're just studying Madison. And, you know, they went out and studied Portland. They used to love to go to Portland. They wanted to be like Portland. This was the be-all and end-all city. If they could be like anything at all, they would be like Portland. And, and, and it would just be perfect for them because um, um, they, they, um, they really think like Portland. What can I say? Well, here's a story on Portland. Um, I'm going to give you a little background and I'm going to have as production run this very interesting video, very frustrating sheriff out in Portland. Now, the city of Portland is, uh, you know, all over the place about crime. I mean, let's face it. It is, it is. It is driving them nuts out there. The increase in violent crime in Portland, Oregon, uh, outpaced the rest of the United States. And this is according to the FBI data. It released its latest figures last Wednesday. Violent crime in the U.S. Uh, is most prevalent in Portland. Uh, the overall analysis uh, shows that the violent and property crime uh, uh, volume increased 1% for the nation, but much more than that for Portland, up 38% in Portland. Uh, violent crime, let me repeat that, according to these FAI and this AB, AP article, violent crime shot up more than 38% in Portland, Oregon, from uh, 3,148 violent crime incidents in 2020 to 4,374 in 2021. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just, it's just, it's, it's nuts. I mean, so here, yeah, I ran across this. I asked production to play this for you, please. If you watch it for a little while, I think it's about four or five minutes long. So it's some, you know, it, there's something that we're going to learn. This is the, this is the law, law and order lady in Portland, uh, frustrated as can be, uh, about uh, what she has to deal with. Can we do that production? Can we run that video? If Portland or other you know communities want to be okay with with letting some of the these um, people facing very serious crimes out, uh, then that should be their choice as a community. But here in Lynn County, our residents have decided that if people commit crimes, they want them to go to jail. literally took away the local control over who we can and cannot take into our jail. Our community, again, has, has funded a, you know, 231 bed jail so that we can put people in jail. And that's, that's the expectation of our community. You know, if, if the criminal sees that it's just a revolving door to get right out, then uh, there's going to be less accountability because they may or may not show up to court. This has only been in effect since July 1st. We had um, a gentleman in here for child neglect. His one-year-old allegedly uh, popped positive for cocaine in their system, and we have to automatically release that man. Um, we had a uh, robbery at one of the local stores where, um, you know, they didn't have a weapon, but they fought the loss prevention officers, you know, and, and caused some minor injuries, uh, and we have to release that person. Those are people, you know, that are, they're a danger to our society and they should actually see a judge. Anything domestic violence related is a hold, but there are strangulation cases. Um, I think it's under 10 or is a felony, but any misdemeanor that's 12 or older, uh, those ages are going to be um, misdemeanors. Strangulation is a, a precursor, not with just with domestic violence, but any violent crime that you're more likely to kill someone if you're willing to strangle them. We've always kind of had the mindset that, you know, if someone tries to assault a police officer, they're coming to jail until they see a judge. That crime now is no longer a hold crime. But if I simply pull away from you uh, while you're trying to arrest me, then, then that's automatically a hold for resisting arrest. Um, and so it's some of those that just, they just don't make sense. And, and sometimes we make decisions on holding people because of, of their conduct at the time of the crime, um, or, you know, basically the, it's just clear that they're becoming problematic in the community. 
Um, so, for example, we had one gentleman that he was arrested for six different trespasses within a month. And because he didn't have convictions on any of those trespasses, uh, we were unable to hold him until he finally, uh, basically his probation officer, you know, gave him a probation violation. Um, so that we have to repeatedly let someone like that that's causing it, you know, it may be just a misdemeanor crime, but they're causing a problem in our community repeatedly. It was definitely handed down from Salem for us. I've spoke to multiple um, just public groups. Uh, I've spoke to, spoke to city councils about the Senate bill in particular, and I haven't found one person that's in favor of it. Most are upset because, um, you know, what people don't know about uh, Oregon is most of us in Oregon don't want to be uh, compared to Portland. Uh, Lynn County's one. It's a conservative pocket um, that we expect, you know, bad people to go to jail. I'm fortunate here in Lynn County, our legislators, um, you know, are kind of like-minded, um, but they're, they're in the vast minority uh, in the legislation right now. And so I know that they often feel like their voice isn't heard, even though they're listening to us. You know, a lot is riding on who ends up in legislation after this election period. All right, I think you managed to see most of that, my friends, and that was a very frustrated law enforcement officer there. I wanted you to see that. It's, um, I wanted to put that in there because Fox News, of course, I thought pretty interesting if they put that in. Uh, Portland, Oregon, as I say, is a, kind of a twin city to Gainesville, Florida. Gainesville, Florida, if you go back and examine the inner city visits, which is a, um, I don't know, it's kind of a scam, really. It's a way to go get a travel off the taxpayer's dime, is uh, to go out and visit another city and try to see what they did. And if we did everything Portland did, then uh, we'll end up like Portland. And a lot of people think we are headed that way. We've got shootings every night. We've got uh, these things taking place in broad daylight now, more and more all over town. Uh, we've got um, situations where uh, uh, people are, are just brazenly taking a, a retaliation against people with whom they have a beef and you could be in the crossfire. So this increase in violent crime is Port in Portland, I kind of put into the comments today because um, in this city, Gainesville so much wants to be like Portland. It's um, uh, the, the overall analysis that shows the violent and property crime, uh, as I said, has really uh, gone, gone up, shot up, as a matter of fact. And um, uh, this is, um, th this, there's an irony in all this. I want to report this to you. I couldn't believe it. Um, but it, it is probably perfectly believable, given the nature of the culture that is trying to run things. Uh, this is um, in, in, in the city of Portland. Um, voters in the county, uh, Multnomah County, I think is the way you say it, Multnomah, uh, are they're getting ready to vote on a local ballot measure. Uh, this is what's this is. I read this into the record because this is what they're they're really concerned about in and around Portland. They're going to vote in a local ballot measure uh, that will remove language that was in the 1960s, since the 1966 charter. And the 1966 charter, of course, has gender binary pronouns. And what is a gender binary pronoun? You know, I never thought I'd see the day that the average guy or woman or whatever kid, um, and maybe the kids still aren't, are, but I guess they are, interested in pronouns. Um, they don't know what a pronoun is from a, uh, a cat's meow, but, but um, a pronoun is a he, she, his, her, they, um, those type of things. And now since the 1966 charter has gender binary pronouns in it, he, she, his, her, there's a ballot measure. Now, again, I mean, I, I just have to share this with you that the voters are not voting on crime. They're voting on gender neutral terms and they want a gender neutral charter amendment. Now we got a charter amendment coming up. That's single member districts. And so far there hasn't been a hue and cry. It's a wonder there hasn't for us to examine the charter and rid it of any binary pronouns and go to gender neutral pronouns. I think you would then know that indeed the local politicians have lost their collective minds, but maybe not, depending upon your point of view. So uh, 
they, they want a gender neutral charter amendment. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's meanwhile, as we say, experiencing at the same time, a massive rise in crime, a pervasiveness, a pervasive homelessness that is just overtaken Portland. Um, the, the residents, Fox News, is, whom we shared this video with you, uh, is in, has done a survey and people, residents, regular residents, are increasingly frightened about being assaulted while walking around or encountering people with mental health crises. That's why a lot of us don't go downtown in Gainesville anymore. Why would you go downtown in Gainesville and, you know, go to one of those parking garages at night and risk getting stuck up? You know, you don't have any idea. They can't control it. Um, the survey, there was a survey conducted by a research firm there. Uh, nearly half of the 500 Portlanders who respond to this, 48%, feel half the city feels unsafe walking alone at the night in their own neighborhood, let alone going downtown in their own neighborhood. And of those who felt unsafe, 78% told the researchers they were afraid of being physically, actually physically assaulted. So uh, the police statistics for August, which is the recent month, most recent month in Portland, uh, say there were 6,074 reported crimes across Portland. That's up from 5,930 last year. Um, and theft, vandalism, and assault were the most common offenses reported. Um, the, other, the other thing that this uh, lady uh, officer seemed to be concerned about was keeping somebody locked up for violent crimes. She talked about strangulation, which is one of the ways in which uh, a lot of domestic abuse occurs. Uh, the male will take the female. I, I, when I did a ride-along, which I is posted on Ward's Hot Bulletin Board, uh, that was one of the crimes we investigated. The boyfriend took the girlfriend and choked her and banged her head on the wall. And uh, it was strangulation. And what, we, what the emergency room had to say was whether the strangulation crossed the line and could have resulted in her death or whether he didn't squeeze her tight enough um, to, to um, kill her. That, that's the gray area you're dealing with in law. So um, right now in, in, in this county in Portland, uh, the number of people in, in custody who are suspected of murder or attempted murder is the highest it's been in 30 years, okay? Highest it's been in 30 years. Um, the, uh, uh, the, the data shows that the uh, Multoma County District Attorney's Office has declined to file charges, you ready for this, in roughly 35% of felony cases referred to them by the cops. Um, meanwhile, they're all concerned about gender-related terminology. You know, I, why do I spend some time sharing this with you? Because you might as well say this is Gainesville. Um, their county charter requires that a committee is reviewed every six years. Ours re requires that the public reviews it every 10, although the county commission can review it anytime it wants to. Um, so... Uh, the, 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 here we go. I mean, here we go. So the county commission is required to put this gender binary thing on the on the on the on the ballot because uh, the citizens uh, out there were significantly enough in number to make them do it. That would be the same thing here. The Clemens and and and. Uh, uh, our, our other, our, our Senator Perry would not have had to intervene at the legislative level and put single member districts on the ballot were the, had the commissioners done it or had the voters re required the commissioners to do it. And for the voters to require the commissioners to do it is a very expensive, difficult legal effort. So um, the, uh, uh, Meanwhile, uh, housing, rent assistance, food, child care, 
living expenses, all these things are absolutely going in the toy toy out there. And you, you know, you, you say, well, is it just Portland? I think it's the West Coast. I don't know what's happened out there. Um, in San Francisco, for example, um, the mayor there last year demanded, and we have the communist Cuban commissioner here, Cinco, whatever her name is. She's also done the same thing. Uh, she's demanded of that uh, the cops be defunded. Well, the San Francisco mayor, London Breed, demanded that cities defund the police last year and announced that uh, uh, San Francisco would be one of the first to do so and promised to slice $120 million uh, from uh, the cop budget and sheriff depart department there. I know that with the local sheriff now, um, there is a lot riding on funding for the sheriff's department based upon who the county commissioners are. Uh, Ramey Glenn has come out and said publicly as one of her campaign planks is I'm going to fund the sheriff. Alfred, don't bet on it. Don't bet on these liberal commissioners. If they get in, Wheeler and Alfred and Cornell, uh, don't bet on them funding the sheriff because it's not fashionable right now. It's not the latest Democratic fad. So if you want to look at where this will take you, if you follow their quote-unquote leadership, which is questionable if you describe it that way, if you follow that, then you're going to wind up in some version of San Francisco or Portland. Um, uh, it, it, it's, it, it's pretty well uh, laid out here in the data. The data doesn't really lie. Uh, crime is up 7.4% uh, from the same time in San Francisco from last year. The assaults are up 12%. Um, thefts are up almost 18%. Um, rapes up almost 10%. And this is all during a time for a platform of criminal justice reform. Um, meanwhile, concurrent to this criminal justice reform, you've got rising homelessness, homelessness in the Bay Area. So this is become many places in San Francisco, just an open air drug market. Um, you know, it, 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 and we could go on. I mean, there's other cities like Cleveland, Baltimore, places where you've got Democrat control of these cities. You've got, uh, you've got fentanyl up, you've got oxycodone up, uh, you've got heroin, uh, uh, you know, all this effort to decriminalize drugs um, you've got the beginning of this with the decriminalization of marijuana. It's not that the marijuana is going to send you off to the emergency room, but that which the marijuana ultimately often leads to will. And so you have a domino effect or a slippery slope here effect that uh, many are fully aware of that Biden uh, has uh, set in motion here, perhaps with his bogus pardoning, pardoning of uh, marijuana laws that have no effect in, to, to speak of at the federal level. Apologize for the little break in the first half, and I apologize for us taking a moment to get the sound up, but we got it up. Uh, and uh, it's all about informing you. What's your choice? You're going to make a vote here in the city of Gainesville very soon, and you have some choices now, so think carefully. Warthog Command Center out.